This episode of Commentary, Trek Stars, is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 11 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. Before we get started, um, we just want to let you know about a special promotion that we're running right here on Trek FM, where you can win um, a bunch of Star Trek prizes just for reviewing Commentary, Trek Stars on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever. Um, each review gets you an entry into the drawing, and we'll give you the full details at the end of the show. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today is part two in our series on Will Wheaton as a, not just a TV show host, but um, as a TV show host slash producer, I think is probably the correct term. Um, we, will be, we will be talking about his first uh, television show thing. What? Sort of. Okay. Uh, which is Tabletop. To join us in this discussion is the one and only Drew Stewart, host of Standard Orbit on Trek.fm. How's it going, Drew? It's going really good. Thanks for having me on a... I don't have to pretend to know everything about the original series today, and I'm yeah, me too. It's nice, right? Yeah, it's kind of relaxing. I know, it's good. It's good. I, but, but that brings up my first question for you, Drew, which is, mm-hmm. I know you haven't seen all of Next Generation, right? But you've been working right. your way through it? Right. Like, how how far along are you right now? I am halfway through season four. So you're like halfway I think I just watched Remember Me. So basically, you've seen all of the Wesley stuff. Pretty much. Uh, Remember hmm. me is the one episode I think is legitimately creepy. Really? Yeah, it's ter- yeah. it's kind of scary. Yeah. So, as someone who has pretty much seen all of Wesley's stuff, uh, what what are your impressions of the character of Wesley? Are you a fan? I. Or do you find him to be really annoying? Wesley, to me, I mean, coming into Next Generation so late in my trectum. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, Wesley, he's so annoying and stuff." But I can see, I can see where he was, where people would find him annoying. But I also see that he's just a kid, and yeah. Will Wheaton definitely didn't deserve all the the abuse heaped upon him for it. But uh, I can see where they're coming from. I don't hate Wesley. I hate the Traveler. He's weird. <laughs> Have you seen Journey's End yet? The no. sequel. Okay, so you don't really know where Wesley goes. I know the he goes. Does have an unusual amount of interest in a kid? I know he goes away because I know people were upset that he's just at the wedding in Nemesis, and it's Which he's me, just there. To me, that's always sort of like a misinterpretation of what's going on. You know, I think that was my initial reaction too. But it's like just because he can go to spoilers, go away. Sorry to avoid spoilers. No, no. Doesn't mean that he can't come back. You know, to life. 
to whatever, <laughs> you know? Because he dies. <laughs> he Wait, dies. what? Violently in Journey's End. <laughs> oh, God. Um, like, he, he literally, he, like, gets his head chopped off. It's kind of... <laughs> Brutal, but um, skipping spoilers. over the part where Molarum pulls his heart out. Well, yeah, there was that too with the fire. Yeah, yeah, that part's awesome. That was awesome. It's weird that they like skipped to like animation for that sequence, though. I don't know why they did that. It was, it was a weird. It was a. They were doing some weird stuff in in season seven. They were really thinking outside of the box. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it's the mid nineties. And by outside of the box, I mean outside of the box that his head was put in <laughs> by Kevin Spacey. Wait, at what? the end of Journey's End. Yeah, Kevin Spacey and you, of course, being Kaiser Soze. Yes, <laughs> okay. yes, yes. Spoilers. <laughs> for every for movie End. ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Spoilers for all things. Yeah. And then, in Nemesis, you find out that he's been dead the whole time, and that was strange, too. Right. Was that really that strange? Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. Anyway, so, okay, so you haven't seen that yet, huh, right. Drew? But going up to that, so so so, you're you you understand why people didn't like him, but you don't necessarily share that sentiment, right? Mostly okay. because I've come to know Will Wheaton through his later stuff, and through mm-hmm. uh, you know memories of the future and stuff where he, and in his books where he, he talks about his childhood and stuff. So, uh, to me, when I watch it, it's like. To you guys, it's probably when you watch Will Wheaton in something now, you're like, oh, it's Wesley Crusher all grown up. But when, when Jessica and I watch something, you know, like a TNG episode, I'm like, look, it's baby Will Wheaton. So, were I think, you... I, I think it's a little bit more like, I, I don't, like, there's no connection for me. Like, there's a there's a gap of, of, of like, connection. So, like, when Will Wheaton showed up as Will Wheaton, it took me a while to realize that it wasn't an act. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that, then, like, there were just two distinct entities. But for someone like you, who, like you were saying, was not a, f- a fan of, of Next Generation, like, when you first discovered him, was it through some other outlet? Or were you like, oh, there's Wesley Crusher, but then that was just sort of like the beginning, and then, you know, y- you became a much bigger fan of his other stuff, and then sort of that association disappeared? Yeah. Or was it like, there's Will Wheaton... From something else. No, no. And I, I always knew him as Wesley. I knew that the kid who played Wesley Crusher left the show and that he has been trying to do something in the interim. And, like, he became very popular on Twitter and so forth. But, like, my first real exposure to him is Tabletop. So did you come to it because you were like, I want to see what Will Wheaton's doing? Or were you like, this looks like an interesting show. Oh, and it's hosted by Will Wheaton. I think it more the former that it was. I want to see what he's doing, and I liked, uh, liked the guild. He was in the guild some, and mm-hmm. and so, uh, I we started watching it just because it was it it seemed interesting playing you know tabletop games is something we've always liked, and here Will Wheaton was going to teach us how to play. Okay, so now Max, would you want to give us sort of a description of what this show tabletop is? It's not complicated. Um, like every episode, they play a game. Sometimes they split the episodes up into multiple parts because the games are super long. And the games are always um, board games. And the amount of uh, complication and um, <laughs> weird setup is dependent on the game. Uh, and the, like, the, the episodes are largely like good or bad depending on the people and the game. 
if the game goes well, then it'll be an entertaining show. And if the people are interesting, it'll be much better. And like their episodes are like like legitimately fantastically hilarious. Okay. Also, it makes me really jealous that he has all those board games. <laughs> yeah, because board games are not cheap, and like goes through so many in one set of episodes. It's like that's so cool. I want those. Yeah. Well, I I mean, like to me, like when I when I first uh, started watching this thing, um, and granted, I've only seen a few episodes, but. I was kind of like, really? You can get away with this? Like, this can actually be a show? Because, I mean, there have been times where I've actually suggested doing this very thing on on, uh, various podcasts, and everyone's like, no, that's a stupid idea. It wouldn't work. And I would think about it and be like, yeah, you're right. It wouldn't work. And here they're literally doing just that. That being... Like, basically, it's just they're playing a board game. Right. Well, I mean, like, it is largely good or bad, depending on the people like yeah. if, if the people are not particularly interesting or like uh like able to have fun in the weird environment it sort of slows things down yeah but like he gets interesting people and like weird mixes of people yeah and the weirder the mix it seems the better the episode is mm-hmm. so have both of you guys seen every episode no no there are probably like three or four that i haven't seen because the game like got split up into two parts and by the end of it i was like i don't care who wins this stupid turn-based racing game mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. we we fell off we watched the first couple episodes of the second season and watched a couple random episodes today but uh uh yeah for some reason we just got started watching other things like deep space nine and stuff that that we'd never we never really yeah. picked up back on tabletop but uh not to say we don't wear our fandom on our sleeves we've we own a quarter to half of the games that they played in the first season just because they played them on the first season. Oh, like yeah. Ticket to Ride, Fiasco, uh, Zombie Dice, and those are like in regular rotation at our house. And we actually play it on a table that is, it's a level below the table that they play on. But I've got the same insert with the, with the logo in the middle. Uh, the the geek chic table, hmm. Because we're crazy. So so you you, you was this because you saw the table on tabletop and you mm-hmm. were like, I want that table. We actually, it's supposed to cost more to laser etch, but because uh, it's supposed to be like a custom thing and they have to make a custom die and stuff. But because I was like, I want the logo in the same color that they have on tabletop. And they were more than happy to be like, sure, we'll throw it on there. I don't care. It's free. There you go. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it's the same, it's the same uh, company that makes it and everything like that? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Now, is there anything like special about this table aside from like the felt well, thingy? What, what, let, me, let me make an ad for Geek Chic here. What, what it is is... <laughs> It, it's, a, it's a regular dining table. Like, it has slats on the top of it. But the slats can come out, and then it's got a recessed area with the, with the felt top. And then you can take the felt top out, and there's a wet erase board underneath with a grid. So you can play, like, a grid-based game just right underneath the table. And then put the slats back on and not have to move the game or anything. So does this double as your dining room table or something yes, like that? Yes, it does. That? Okay, that makes sense. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That does sound like a pretty dope table. Yeah, yeah. I want. It's I want an heirloom. 
That's what they yeah. kept saying. The you call them and they like they they you each one is custom made. It took like six months to get mine, and they they oh. drive it. They they get a bunch of them, throw them in the back of a truck, and drive it by hand from Seattle. And you know, so Why? I had the people. I had the, <laughs> because it's so much cheaper to ship them to drive them than it is to put them in you know eight by eight boxes and here build it yourself. So they actually that's, came that's and built it in my dining room. It was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. Wow. They must have built tables in some weird rooms. Yeah, they, they told us, you know, they built some in some really cool places and some really scary places. <laughs> yeah. I built one of these in Nick Nolte's sex dungeon. <laughs> it was not as creepy as you'd think. <laughs> So what are your thoughts on the show in general, Drew? Uh, now, I know that it seems like it's inspired you to uh, play more board games or whatever, although it sounds like you were into that to begin with, right? Cause well, it's we a weird... just had things like Sorry and stuff, like the traditional board games, Clue okay, so, and Monopoly. So th- this is kind of, yeah, because like to me, like one of the things that, that I have trouble with while watching this show is that I'm not really familiar with any of the games. Mm-hmm. So... Like, I'm trying to catch up on, like, what the rules are and stuff. And the whole time I keep on thinking, like, I want to see an episode where they play Clue, you know? I want to see an episode <laughs> where they play Monopoly. That would be awesome, you know? If you just get, like, like just the right combination of people to play Clue, you mm-hmm. know, like like maybe um, Stephen Moffat and, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know who else, uh, other great detective nicholas meyer get him in there and, and and one more person like like maybe maybe brent spiner just just for the hell of it you know and and you get them to play clue or that cat from the cat from outer space or you could get yeah I mean, you could get that the cat from outer space the cat from the cat from outer space or whatever you know or maybe martin mull you know because i mean why not right I have no idea what you're doing right now. I'm just you saying because they did detective stuff, they'd be good at Clue. Yeah, yeah. and like Martin Mull, he was in. I don't think that works. He was in Clue, right? I don't think those things connect in that way. I'm just saying, <laughs> like Tim it Curry, is like a detective not? thing. <laughs> Tim Curry, right? Exactly. I stand by my philosophy that Gary Oldman would be the best detective in Hollywood. Well, maybe if maybe. he started a private detective agency, that would be a pretty awesome thing. That, that would be interesting. But regardless, um, now had you played? So you hadn't played any of these games. No, I knew I, I'd played Munchkin before. I, I had some friends who had Munchkin, and that was as as offbeat as it was. I knew that people played Settlers of Catan and stuff like that, but I'd never played them myself. But for some reason, watching Will explain the games, you know, in the intro sequence, uh, I actually like refer to it instead of like reading the rules to my friends. If we try to play a game, I'm like, here. Will Wheaton will explain it to you. <laughs> See, to me, like, it goes by so fast, and maybe it's just just having trouble catching up, because obviously they probably do a lot more explaining to the individuals, mm-hmm. you know. Well, not but, much like, more, honestly. I got to talk know. to the producer uh, at oh, really? Gen Con, because no one was at the Geek and Sundry booth, and so I start, we started talking to him, and had told him that we got the table just like the one they have. And he's like, oh, that's great. And he's the producer. He's the game master. He's the guy who selects the games and teaches Will how to play the games and teaches everybody else how to play them, too. Hmm. And he told us what they do behind the scenes. Like, they'll film, like, three or four in one day. They'll just be like, can you come between one and two and play games with Will? 
which is why there's why it's so weird sometimes and why like it'll be three celebrities and his kid because the third celebrity dropped out and you know mm-hmm. he was sitting mm-hmm. there so they they threw him in there and they they have to stop a lot because like you can hear traffic just through the wall and <laughs> like a fire truck will come by and they just have to stop and wait it is weird because like i, I mean i watched like one of the episodes that i watched i figured it would be good to watch the star trek Catan episode yeah, or i watched that one this morning to prepare and, and jerry ryan's in that you know and the and the other ones seemed like they had, i mean you know his son was on there and they, he said that he's been playing the game since he was eight and you know will wheaton seemed like was also a really big fan of it and everything um, and I got the impression that the other woman, Kari Wordlington or something, Walbert? Walgren. 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 Yeah, she was a voiceover actress. Yeah. I got the impression that she was pretty familiar with the game, but Jerry Ryan was like, oh, you know, I'm the newbie. You think you you can, you know, run all over me or whatever, but you can't. But But she seems like she's, you know, familiar enough that it's not like, what usually happens when you play board games with people who have never played before where you're like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't, what, you gotta... Did you watch the 30-minute the edit or the two-and-a-half-hour-long edit that they had? Well, granted, I watched the 30-minute edit. Well, I'm sure on the two-and-a-half-hour edit, there's a lot of, Jerry, you can't do that. Jerry, <laughs> put that back. Probably, probably. But, no, it's well edited then, you know? I guess that's... That's, yeah. that's, that's another thing that I really like about it is it, it's, it's very well edited, you get enough of the game that you understand what's going on for the most part. There's some games where they skip over stuff and you're like, wait, what? But mm-hmm. I like that, that the, they'll have big pop-ups explaining, you know, this is what they're talking about, and they'll highlight things on the board. Like, they can pull these resources because they rolled at this number. And then it'll, mm-hmm. like, zoom in on the dice and have good overlays and stuff. I mean, it's very well graphically produced. It's not just, like... Here's one camera, let's sit and play a game, and we won't edit it, and we won't explain what's going on. It, it's a good mix of entertaining, for the most part, like Max said, for, you know, if you've got the right group of people together, then you know, it's really great. Like watching the creator of Munchkin beat everybody at Munchkin is <laughs> pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. This, this is something that I learned in high school when I was in my video production classes and stuff like that, which sort of blew my mind in which I didn't really believe back then, although looking at it now it's like obviously it's a lot of build up for something that's not gonna hold up to that. Maybe not. But you know (laughs) you know those overhead shots that they do? Yeah. Yes. Those are done with mirrors. Yeah. Oh. It just makes sense. But it's one of those things that you would never actually think about. Anyway. Well I think you'd think about it when you when you've got the camera in your hand and you're like, like how am I going to get really this up there? Do I really want to dangle this from the I don't want to do that. <laughs> I would have dangled yeah. it from the ceiling. <laughs> Heck, this when I was watching expensive. it today, I was like, they dangled a camera from the ceiling. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. That's what you think, right? But no, I don't know. Outside of the box thinking. Anyway, well, Max, what about you? Are you a fan of tabletop? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I actually, I actually usually don't watch the edited versions. I generally have the long cut. I, I wait until those. I prefer them. And it's not because I'm somehow deeply fascinated with every board game. It's that I really like the, the, the awkward moments and the places where there's no conversation. And, and I like the way that like 
things sort of like ebb and flow. It's an interesting sort of dynamic, and I, I just love it. I just like conversation, and uh, so like I, I like having it on, and I watch most things like while I'm doing something, and it's really nice when I can put something on that just runs for a huge length of time and is consistently like interesting when I look over at it. And the only thing is that at a certain point I just go like, I've got to get this game or like, I gotta, it's just driving me crazy. Cause it looks so cool. That happens a lot. Mm-hmm. But see, you know, that's, that's the big question is like, no, I've only had like, I've only got like a few of the games from tabletop because like those, like the ones that are really like compelling, I like then make an effort to get, and that usually I only I only know if I've like got the requirement uh, if I'm still thinking about that episode a few days later. Right, but I mean, see, that's the thing is like now, Drew, you say mm. that you you have a number of the games and that you you play them, you've got the table and everything like that. So like, are you having like parties or something? Because Max, well, I can see him wanting to play these games desperately is not exactly what you would call a social butterfly. Right. You know what I mean? And I've, you know, sort of like with this Battlestar Galactica game, which has been out, which I always see in stores and everything, every time I see it, I'm like, I want that game. I want to play that game. And then I think about it, and I'm like, I don't have anyone to play that game with, because even though all of my friends love Battlestar Galactica and probably like board games, for one thing getting them all in the same place at the same time is, like, damn near impossible. And secondly, if we were all in the same place at the same time, probably none of them would want to sit down and do, you know, play this game. So, like, my, how, how do you deal with that? My wife is very uh, activity-oriented. Um, she doesn't like just sitting around and talking. She doesn't like sitting around and watching movies. When we have people over, she wants to be interacting with them in some kind of structured game yeah so uh we we don't i mean it's we we have a few games that you can play two player uh we have a few games that are only two player but uh whenever we have somebody over we will i mean eventually we'll watch a movie or sit around and talk but first we'll play ticket to ride or zombie dice uh in fact, I have people who complain when they come over. I don't want to play zombie dice again. It's like, <laughs> you just don't like it because you suck. And then we kill him. And, <laughs> and then he becomes a zombie? Pretty much. Yeah. What, about, not, what not, about you, Max? I mean, do you buy the game? Like, who do you play it with? Or do you not play it? Um, like, it depends on, it depends on the game. Um, like, there have been games that I've bought and I played a game and never got back to. But I did, like like study the game intricately it's often like a mix of like gameplay rules and mechanics and the art mm-hmm. but um every once in a while there'll be a game that i actually do think is really fun and interesting and, and like you have to sort of play it in order to see its dynamics and those i actually end up playing more than you'd expect because while i do not seek out company people tend to show up <laughs> and I I like having things to do instead of talk to them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these games have a really great art component. Um, yeah, the art component. Whether, is, whether is they, they have manipulatives, I was I was uh, before I was homeschooled. I was in a Montessori program, so I'm used to like manipulatives and having bright, colorful, you know, pieces and stuff. And a lot of these games have great. Like like physical blocks or you know little brains or all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. 
So, like like uh, you were saying, Max, kind of, it does seem like this show kind of lives or dies by its guests, you know? The guests, the guests are, I mean, like, I wish that the, the, the episodes were good or bad, depending on the game. Mm-hmm. And, like, the game certainly plays a role, but the guests are what make it work. Even boring games come alive when the guests are interesting. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's weird how I, I think probably it's hard... To or just hot because there are a lot of cute girls on the show. <laughs> it's hard. Well, I, I has a lot of cute friends. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I imagine it's hard to sort of like cast this show because you really don't know how these people are going to play off of each other mm-hmm. and everything like that. I mean, like I started watching the uh, Star Wars X-wing game yeah. because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's got uh, Seth Green and Claire Grant in there, and you know they they're really cool people and. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. And I don't know what it was, if it was just an off day for Seth Green or something like that, but he was just kind of like sitting there like, I am bored by this Star Wars game, you know? Mm-hmm. See, that's not what I read. I read he was playing the game. Maybe. He was focused on yeah. the game. He, he was playing to win. Focused on being entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, I, I really that's what it. That. Was, apparently that's what it's like to play a game with Seth Green. To actually be friends with him. He's not always on. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's what I liked most about like those episodes where like there's a person who I find interesting. I like seeing them off. I mean, I can definitely see the appeal to that. And maybe watching the two and a half hour cuts it would be better in those cases, you know. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I, are there any episodes which for either of you guys really stand out as being quality episodes i'm always pushing toward the games that i own um because the episode helped helped with that i i i always recommend ticket to ride uh or the train game as it's called by my friends because they can't remember the title for some reason but uh that one i forget who the other people are but it's uh ann wheaton is is one of the guests and she gets so excited at the end spoilers she gets so excited at the end when they're counting up trains and stuff that she bangs on the table. And uh, the, the producer had to tell me, he had to explain it. He's just like, the table's a lot more sturdy than it looks. You know, If you bang on the table, things aren't going to fly. We tilt the, the insert up so that you can see it from the camera angle. And she hit it right in between the inserts where they tilted it up, and it just bounces the whole board, and all the trains go scattering everywhere. <laughs> they had to they had to bring up the tape from from the last overhead shot so they could count from the TV. <laughs> and that's the only episode where you can see Brian, the producer. You could see his back counting all the trains as she hits the table and it explodes all over the place. <laughs> and f- the other one is Fiasco, which is it's not a board game so much as like a, an improv kind of game. Where it's also it, kind it, of a card game. It, it's kind of a card game, but you fill out the cards. We, we yeah. finally played it a couple weeks ago because I was always afraid, like, you know, what if it's not interesting? I'm not very good at improv or whatever. It was the most incredible experience of my life. Just I, Because one of my friends, he's completely unpredictable, and we were just like, we're going to play this game. And he improv the hell out of it. Yeah, I'll always be impressed by that. But that episode's really great because it's just three people, Bonnie Burton, who... Uh, who work, used to work for StarWars.com, and uh, I forget who the guy is, some producer, and Will and somebody else, and they're just 
they they improv a whole thing about like a, a 70s nightclub and drug deals gone bad and like oh the my whole god point yeah of the game, I remember all that now oh, the whole point of the game is to like <laughs> make it as dramatic as possible you'd really like it mike because it's it's each one says this is supposed to be like this Quentin Tarantino movie or this Coen Brothers movie. And, you know, it's supposed to end badly for the characters. <laughs> Nobody wins. It's just who's more dead. <laughs> what about you, Max? Any, anything that stands out? Alhambra. After saying that, I thought I have to get this game. And then I thought I have no idea when I would get the chance to play that game. Alhambra was fascinating. So they've done two seasons now, and uh, I, I know that they're doing more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're still doing them. The, like some of the, um, I mean, like sometimes the extended edition, like like so so thoroughly, like uh, replaces the edited version. That's that's really hard to say, like how good the edited version is, mm-hmm. because like I do my own cut in my head and uh it includes every moment that i like including the moments where people don't do anything yeah uh so like like i kind of think that you know like if you like board games you'll like it it's really interesting and like you know there's so many interesting guests that it's just fun to see being themselves seeing jerry ryan be jerry ryan was super weird because she's not weird (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean like looking at she should be considering Looking at the guests, there are a lot of, you know, Star Trek connections. You know, Jane Espenson is on an episode, uh, Jerry Ryan, like you're saying, um, and then some sort of, you know, extended uh, family members from uh, Star Trek. You've got uh, Rod Roddenberry is on an episode, and uh, Grant Imahara, who's from Mythbusters, right? Doesn't he play Sulu Mm -hmm. on the new Star Trek Continues? Yeah. Yeah, Grant Nimahara is, um, he's super super awesome. And of course, there is the Star Trek Catan episode with Jerry Ryan. So if you are a Star Trek fan and you're looking for, which I'm assuming you would be listening to this show, right? And you're looking for uh, some some Star Trek-based episodes, there are definitely a lot to choose from in this group. And they're all on YouTube, right? So so that's where you can find them, which is pretty cool. Now... Um, w- one last thing here is uh, just the idea of Will Wheaton as a part of geek culture. Now, mm. he is, obviously, right? But I think there's always a bit of skepticism amongst geeks when they hear that someone like Will Wheaton, who got his start on Star Trek, essentially, is a geek, you know? Because yeah. there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm a geek. I've seen Star Wars. That's the one with Kirk, right? And it's like, <laughs> mm, no. But here, I mean... That's watching, the one with the robot dog. Right, right. And, and even though he's written books and everything like that, and he's said it, you know? Like, I've never actually seen, you know, what I would consider to be hardcore definitive evidence. Essentially him, without a script 
proving his his fandom because I mean I haven't seen I know that there's stuff which is out there I'm sure but I hadn't actually seen that myself until so you watching want, you tabletop. You want to see him dissected and the doctor removing a lead figurine that's <laughs> no, been meticulously no, no, painted no. By, by by him in high school. No, but I want to see him having a casual. I swallowed at some point. I, I want to see him having a casual, which unscripted conversation with other people where he starts dropping Star Trek or Star Wars references, which are things which obviously only fans would know. And he does it on a regular basis, unscripted. It's like, yes, watching this, it's like, yes, he is definitely Mm -hmm. a geek. Yeah. That's cool. This is not the only time. No, I'm sure it's not. I'm saying this is the first time which I personally came across this. See, like, like, we might have mentioned this in, in the previous episode, but, like, when I first saw Will Wheaton pop up online, I thought, I don't, I don't buy it. Right. I don't buy it. Like, like, obviously you're going to say you're a geek because people who, like, really are attached to you already right. obviously are dorks. Right. And, and like, you're going to play into that. And then, like, when it got confirmed over time, there was a legitimate concern in my head that, like, geek culture was no longer ours. And that was the first time I realized that um, geek culture was becoming mainstream culture. Yeah. And it was um it was bittersweet. So, uh Drew, any final thoughts on tabletop? Uh I really think that, that everybody should check it out. Um someday, maybe eventually, I'll open up a, a comic book or game store. So it'd be nice for those to still be around when I'm able to do that. So uh like even Target had a deal where they're actually putting as seen on tabletop stickers on particular games. Oh, like, wow. uh, you know, this this is a, is is a big deal. I mean, they for the third season, they asked for five hundred thousand dollars to you know up their production budget, and they made one point four million dollars. Wow. That's uh, that's crazy. Next season of Tabletop, everyone's made of gold. <laughs> Maybe they'll actually get trophies that they can give people. Oh man, no. <laughs> no, the crappy trophies are so great. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Drew, if you open a comic book slash gaming store, I will come and work for you at that store as Excellent. long as as long as you let me do the order form for the comic books. Oh my god! This is <laughs> and, a very long. This and is my a very second, old bone. My second. Been... <laughs> my second uh, demand is that you know I work all day on Wednesdays. Okay? Okay. If you let me do those two things, then I'll, I'll come. Well, I don't know enough comics, about comic so. books to be of any use. So All right. Well, then I'll, there we I'll, go. I'll, I'll You'll be, be your the comic, comic book, book guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. If you open a um, comic books and scowling shop, I will loiter there. <laughs> yes. Will you yes. be providing the scowls or purchasing the scowls? Um, depends on the day. We'll just see okay. how it goes. Yeah. Max, any final thoughts on tabletop? Um, it's 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 fun. I, like the, it's hard to like recommend like everything, but like there are, there are episodes that like are as entertaining and interesting as a really good TV show. Yeah, despite yeah. it being essentially a talk show where people play a, a game. Yeah, it occasionally rises to the, to really really funny and entertaining and interesting. Yeah. And sometimes it's like not even like just 
shallow or simple. Sometimes it's actually like fascinating. Yeah. Depending on the people. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, the game. All right. For me personally, I am impressed. I, I'm glad that the show exists, and I'm impressed that it works as well as it does, considering what it is. But at the same time, I don't think that it works that tremendously well. I think that they're definitely swimming upstream with with this concept, and it's about as good as it could possibly be. But with all that, I would still just say it's okay. So then, then again, I think if I were familiar with the games, I would like it a lot more. So when they mm. do the Clue episode, I'm there. <laughs> when when they get they a deal with clue? Hasbro... Yeah, okay, that'd be great. So, all right. Well, Drew, um, Mm -hmm. where can people find you around the internet? Well, they can find me on Standard Orbit with you. Comes out every Monday here on Trek FM. And they can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, anytime you want to come back, you're more than welcome. Every time. Well, it's always fun to talk to Drew about Star Trek. That's why I do another Star Trek podcast with Drew right here on Trek FM called Standard Orbit. And uh, in case you haven't heard it, here's a little taste of Standard Orbit as well as the other shows which can be found right here on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. It was the biggest opening ever for a movie, and uh, you know it was it got huge critical acclaim and success, and fans were you know most not every but most fans were really happy with it. Earl Grey, kids these days, gosh, back in my day, our nacelles were round and we went warp five, <laughs> and our dishes were large. Our dishes were large, and we liked it that way. The Ready Room. Yeah, one of the things I noticed about that in terms of the population is everybody on a Miniar seems to have a number in their name, which may indicate that they have a lot of children, perhaps, to kind of compensate for the fact that they're killing three million people a year. The Orb. Mourn chest bumping a a dancing bullion is one of the best scenes in Deep Space Nine. So awesome. (laughs) To the journey! When you brought it up, I was like, that's right, because it's that weird moment when you're like, is that is that Dietrich Bonner? What's going on? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, and indeed it is. And he had this weird kind of like Jerry curl thing going on <laughs> in, his, in his hair. Commentary, Trek stars. There was even a little bit of an Voyager. That was Kess. But then they, you know, decided to not do that and just made her a space carry. Which is what her name should have been. <laughs> Neelix so, and space carry. Warp 5. I feel like that's an that's that's an award that didn't exist until DVDs existed. Like no one had the best Betamax release of the year. Right, <laughs> it just that's wasn't right. a thing. And, and it always goes to the one studio that decided not to turn their back on Betamax. Continuing mission. I think it will be fun for younger people. I think it will be fun for people that can connect with with those characters in this family situation. Literary treks. The relationship that she's having with Spock at this point is one of a very deep friendship, like a very deep friendship, and she's caring for her friend who's gone through what could only be considered a trauma. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. 
So check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream them from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. Okay, now one of the reasons why we do this show is because we we don't just like talking to each other. I'm actually kind of getting sick and tired of talking to Max because I've been talking to him for like the past 14 years or something like that. And, you know, the conversation has gone stale, honestly. He's not here right now, but just between you and me. So one of the things that I love is when other people join the conversation, people like you. When, which you can do by leaving feedback for us on iTunes and Stitcher. And, you know, I understand that that's sometimes uh, time-consuming and stuff like that. You've, I mean, I can't remember the last time I actually logged into iTunes. Uh, it, you know, everyone does these things on their phone now and everything like that. But it really helps us out because, for one thing, the feedback itself really helps us out. You know, you can tell us everything that we're doing wrong and, and we can try to correct our mistakes. But then also, by leaving reviews on iTunes, it pushes us up on the iTunes charts and, and, and then other people who are looking for Star Trek podcasts will see that we exist and then they'll listen to the show and then they'll lead us feedback and then that's more people who are talking to me who aren't Max and then that's awesome. It's a win-win scenario for everyone involved except for the person leaving the review who, you know, just had to, you know, waste some time logging into iTunes. But now you too will win in this scenario or could win in this scenario because we are having a promotion here at Trek FM where if you leave feedback, you will be entered into a contest to win some awesome prizes. We've got some cool things that we're offering here, including a Star Trek season of your choice on Blu-ray or DVD, an official Starships collection ship from Japan, complete with the Japanese magazine, uh, Star Trek novels, and a full collection of our alien art badges. I mean, come on. That that Star Trek Blu-ray set right there alone is worth like like $2 billion, right? I mean, they charge an arm and a leg for those things. And you can pick the one of your choice? I mean, oh my god, I would totally pick Season 6 of Star Trek The Next Generation. Are you kidding me? Season 6 of Star Trek The Next Generation is amazing. It's got Chain of Command in it, and it can be yours for free. All you gotta do is leave us feedback. There's two steps for entering, okay? The first thing you gotta do is leave the review on iTunes and or Stitcher. The second thing you've got to do is visit trek.fm slash review and complete the form. So you do that. You can do that not just for our show, and you can, you can, not just for one show on the network, but you can do that for every single show on the network, you know? So you can be like, it's kind of like the Hunger Games, you know, where you get like your name put in there a bunch of times, and then, you know, so you get picked, and but you're not going to have to fight to the death all you're going to have to do is like watch some klingons fight to the death or something like that because you're going to be watching star trek on blu-ray and that's amazing or getting some alien art badges or something you know i mean the odds will be in your favor the winners will be drawn at random from all entries received before midnight pacific time on july 31st you can only leave one review per show, of course, but you can review multiple shows and do so on both iTunes and Stitcher. 
and for each review, you'll receive one entry in the drawing. Remember that you can also review the master feed, and that will get you an entry as well. And we already have some listeners who have been doing this. We've got three new reviews on iTunes this week. The first is by uh, Trey, our old friend, who says, uh, Great show. Let you know what the writers and show producers of Trek have done and are doing. Plus, it gives me other shows to watch that they have done since and before. And, you know, that is really sort of like the goal of this show is, you know, when we started this off, it's like, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are really, really big Star Trek fans, and there's no new Trek coming out, you know, these days, aside from like once every three years or whatever. And, you know, people are, are you know, starving, you know, they, they're, they're craving content. And, you know, one of the things that, that we kind of set out to do with this is say like, hey, you know, you like Will Wheaton? Well, here you can see more Will Wheaton on tabletop, you know, that sort of thing. So thanks, Trey, for leaving us feedback and also for uh, taking advantage of, of what we hope to offer with this show. We got another review by Section 47 who says, The Slushoverse, uh, which people on Standard Orbit will know what he's talking about there. He says, My favorite part of commentary Trek Stars is when Max says, I disagree. Also, the content is excellent. Do you dare disagree? Mm, clever. Yes, yes. I've spent the better part of uh, the last decade listening to Max say, I disagree. So uh, hopefully you all can uh, share in my enthusiasm over that. And finally, we have a review from Chappie5574 who says, There is more than just Trek. And they say, Mike and Max delve into the creatives who brought us Star Trek and examine what else they have done in their careers. Is all of Star Trek just the ramblings of Benny Russell? Find out on Commentary Trek Stars. Well, thanks for listening, Chappie. We really appreciate it, and thanks for the review. And uh, I, I hope all three of you win this contest. And before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring commentary Trek stars to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have the time for. It's the premier source of audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week from classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation. Audible has something for everyone. And they also have a lot of books which were narrated by Will Wheaton himself, including Ready Player One, which was written by Ernest Klein, who's the guy who wrote Fanboys, which, by the way, fits into the Shatner-verse. It's narrated by Will Wheaton, like I was saying. It's unabridged, 15 hours and 46 minutes long. And here's the description for those people who may not know. At once wildly original and stuffed with irresistible nostalgia, Ready Player One is a spectacularly genre-busting, ambitious, and charming debut, part quest novel, part love story, and part virtual space opera set in a universe where spell-slinging mages battle giant Japanese robots. Entire planets are inspired by Blade Runner and Flying DeLorean's achieve light speed and you can get this book for free since you listen to trek fm 
The deals never stop here at Trek FM. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Commentary, Trek Stars, and Trek.fm. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Commentary, Trek Stars, coming to you each week, and that's by adopting some aliens. Well, illustrations anyway. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original illustrations by Toba Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on our website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you'd like and in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. As always, you can find us right here on Trek FM where we do this show. You can also find me doing Standard Orbit along with Drew right here on Trek.fm. And you can find me doing commentary Track Stars off topic along with Max and our friend Brandon over on CommentaryTrackStars.com. This week we talk about uh, Life Itself, the, the Roger Ebert documentary. We also look at This Week in 1999 which includes uh, Eyes Wide Shut and uh, how influential that was to, to me as a person showing that movie 15 years ago to uh, the community that I was living in and, and everything like that. So uh, head over, over there to, to get in on all that uh, discussion. It's, it's pretty cool. And uh, you can also find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars, or you can email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. So that's it for Tabletop, and we will be back next week with the third part of our Will Wheaton series where we discuss the Will Wheaton Project. <laughs>